The message you are listening to is recorded by Campus Outreach for the 2018 New Year's Conference. More information about the New Year's Conference can be found at newyearsconference.com. Okay, if you would uh, join me in prayer, I'd like to invite the Lord to be with us. Heavenly Father, we uh, thank you for this opportunity to drink from a fire hydrant this week, to take in so much information, uh, more than we could possibly comprehend or remember. And so, Lord, I pray for this room that whatever it is you would speak to them in the next 45 minutes that they would hear it. And, Lord, I pray for uh, Julia and I that, Lord, we would communicate clearly and, Lord, what's from your word we would share with confidence and what's of our opinion we would make that known but lord we pray you would lead us in wisdom we pray in jesus name amen all right so you've heard about uh the bradner clan a little bit and julia and i we're in our 18th year of marriage and uh that's right there we go could have been taken today uh I say there's two different things about this, this picture. Uh, more love, less hair. More love. But, but seriously, so if, uh, if, if I could summarize our marriage in a verse, it would be Philippians 1.9. Paul says, my prayer is that your love may abound more and more with all knowledge and depth of insight. So Paul's talking to a people who are loving one another, and he says, love more and love better. With every passing year, I would say that Julia and I have learned to not only love each other more, but love each other better. Uh, it, it just gets sweeter and sweeter as we learn each other. And that's what we try to do with our children. And that's what we try to do with our staff and students is we not only want to love you more, we want to love you better um, than we did the previous year. So uh, God has helped us to do that. And it's really not an exaggeration or a dramatization when we say that our marriage is what it is. And our family is what it is, largely to years of relationship seminars that we sat in as students, and largely to years of commitments that we made when we were, we were in your stage of life. I'm not being dramatic when I say that. Commitments and teaching that we sat underneath and the hard work that we did before our Lord when we were your age has reaped so much fruit manifold to be where we are today. Um, and we're believing that there are more future marriages and more future families sitting in this room right here. And we also believe that there are some of you who aren't going to get married, okay? And regardless of who you are in this room, we're excited because this next 45 minutes is going to give you content that's going to enable you to love God deeper, love others deeper, and have God-honoring biblical relational principles to follow. So three of our favorite words is the title of a book that every area we talk about we go to, and the words are start with why. Uh, the, the idea is that we quickly jump to what do we need to do? in the area of relationships. How do we need to do it? Uh, but the strongest and most lasting motivator is why. Why do we do what we do? And so we asked the question, why are we passionate about speaking to you about this? And we have two answers. The first one is this, the problems are too great to remain silent. Why are we excited about being here? Uh, the problems are too great to remain silent. So if this side of the room from, from this point over, if y'all would stand up uh, just for a second, uh, this side. Uh, Thank you. 
So statistics would say, and you've heard this, that uh, over 50% of all marriages end in divorce. And uh, that's, that's pretty shocking. And unfortunately, the numbers don't really change much between those who claim to be Christian marriages. Uh, but what about your demographic? So ages 20 to 25, if we could, uh, if we could have from about this over, y'all stand up. Just if you don't want to stand up and you're in this line, don't do it. Okay, good. Um, statistics would say 60% of all 20 to 25 year olds who get married, it will end in divorce. Uh, so y'all can all sit down. Uh, it's clear that something's not right with the way that we're doing this thing called relationships and ultimately get how we're getting to marriage. And so that's why, one reason why we're here, the problems are too great to remain silent. The second reason we're here is because the promises are too great to remain silent. As Christians, we don't have to live in fear with the threat of all of these statistics hanging over us. Rather, we can live with faith in the promises of God that he has for us. Now, with statistics, only some of us are included in those, okay? Not so with the promises of God. The promises of God are offered to all who are trusting in Jesus and all who submit to his reign and his rule in our life. So now we want all y'all to stand up. Everybody all right, we're trying to up. get y'all going. Let's we know go, it's a little go. late come in the on, day. Come on, Everybody stand up. Listen. This is something that every single one of you who trust in Christ is available to you. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. That's Psalm 84, 11. Luke 12, 32. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Psalm 34, 8, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man or woman who takes refuge in him. Psalm 37, 3 through 5, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. All right, y'all can sit down. Uh, the problems are too great, but the promises are too great. So uh, let, me, uh, let me just pray. And I'm just going to invite the Lord. I, I'll just, I'll be honest. Uh, we, uh, JB and I, um, we, uh, we, we don't, we don't tote the line of doing bad, doing good. Uh, we, we just run, I'm sorry, doing nothing. We just run after doing good. And, and that's what this is going to be about. We're just going to go ahead and aim it in the direction of how far, how fast can we run toward the Lord in our Christian relationships? And so some of you here, you're coming in at a place where you might hear some stuff and just be like, dang, that sounds a little crazy. And, and, it, and it, it is. Uh, it is. It's okay. <laughs> it is. And, and for you, I, 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 we're not going to say you should do it. Say, would you consider this? Uh, I, I don't think you got many people out there that are offering something that's very helpful some of this work, and so would you just consider, would you just consider uh, what we're saying? So that's what I just want to pray is this is consideration. Uh, so, uh, and then we'll dive in, and we're going to tell you about our story. So Heavenly Father, just give a, give a, a blank sheet of paper, open-handed consideration. Would we submit our lives underneath your authority, even our relationships? We pray in Jesus' name, amen. amen. So it all began a Sunday evening, October of, y'all ready for this, 1998. That's right. Um, yeah. 1998, 
uh, that hair was flowing. Uh, and uh, it was a Sunday 19, evening. That wasn't 1998. <laughs> that wasn't. No. Uh, and the back of that was thinning uh, already. <laughs> okay. uh, so we were, at a, we were at a church service, and... Um, and it was Sunday evening um, in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I was fixated on the pastor as he was teaching. And little did I know, a few rows back, that there was a sophomore from Elon University, and she was fixated as well. But she wasn't fixated on the pastor. She was fixated on me. Whatever. Uh, is that, is that <laughs> I mean, accurate? It's not like entirely true. <laughs> I mean, it's I mean, yeah, so, exactly. right. I came with a girl who um, who had been discipling me in in, um, in college, and I did indeed notice the young man sitting in let's front go, of me. Let's go. Let's go. I noticed. <laughs> <laughs> I noticed his nice broad shoulders and his flowing hair. Right now, but I noticed his broad shoulders, and it did stick out to me. He was intent on listening, and he was taking notes. He had his Bible open, and that stuck out to me. Um, so after the service, Stacy and I walked over, and Stacy had known him from a previous Campus Outreach Summer Project, and it was then that I met Matt Bradner, or as everybody knew him, Matty B. Yeah. So afterwards, we all decided to go out to eat. We went to Chili's, yep. and, uh, and a group of us, um, <laughs> a real special place to our heart, uh, group of us, uh, we said, let's go play some games. And so we went to, uh, to an apartment near our campus and we played a card game, uh, Kemp's, which was a two-person card game. And um, Julie and I uh, dominated. Um, but in the car ride there, in the car ride uh, to the dinner, uh, I, uh, the girls were like, we don't know where Chili's is. And I always took advantage of every opportunity to hang out with sharp ladies. And so I was like, I'll take you. Uh, so I was in a car with three ladies, hey fellas, write that down. Take advantage, I'm not joking, take advantage of opportunities to get around sharp ladies. And we were in the car and, uh, and I was actually trying to, uh, and this is gonna sound like I'm like the Christian player, but it wasn't like this. Um, <laughs> Girl, don't Thankfully, you know that's where I was going to take you? Y'all remember that? Girl, don't no, you know? That was a non-Christian right there. Um, but, but I was looking at Stacy. you know, what? that didn't sound like I'm playing. If I'm waving at her like it, she was in the driver's seat. And she said, Julia, tell, tell Matt about your, um, your testimony. And she shared about coming to Christ. And then she shared about her parents coming to Christ. And that had happened with me, that my father and brother had came to know the Lord after. And for the first time, we were sitting next to each other. For the first time as she was talking, I saw Julia Felico. And, uh, and, and that's, I remember that. It was a sweet moment. So we had so much fun playing Kemp's. And we did end up, we had some natural chemistry in that time. We did end up having some good victory that night. But before the night ended, Matt and I um, were able to have a conversation. And Matt began to share what he was learning in God's word, what he had, God had been teaching him. And, um, and we, we ended up talking about how God had used so many men and women in the past, wondering if maybe God might use our lives to impact the future as well. And I remember thinking after that, that was so great. That was so enjoyable. And it was just right. It was just a good, just felt right to have that type of interaction with him. God, I want more of those. And honestly, I wasn't thinking I want more of those with Maddie B because I didn't really think I'd ever see him again the first time I had met him and honestly I just was like that dude's way out of my league so I don't even need to consider him as something but God would you maybe bring more of those types of interactions so what God did for me in that night is just at that night was give me hope Maddie had raised the bar a little bit God, would you do that? Would you bring somebody that was spiritually encouraging in such a good, right way? And I remember thinking the same thing as Julia and Stacy walked into where they were staying. 
give me more interactions with girls like that. No joke. And I was cutting the hair of the dude that was uh, discipling me uh, or spiritually mentoring me the next day, telling him about the night. And literally, he stopped and looked back. He's like, Matty B, I ain't ever heard you talk about a girl like that. And I was like, easy, bro. Um, you know, I, I'll chip your ear. Like, stop it. You know, I, I just, uh, I was like, chill, man, chill. And so uh, I went to go send an email to Stacy and Julia, uh, the girl introduced us that we had played with. And um, I didn't have Julia's email, but I felt like it was a little bit like too like desperate to say, Stacy, make sure Julia gets this. So I didn't say that. And um, I, Julia never emailed back. So in <laughs> But in those following days, like I didn't, I had never met Matt. I hadn't heard about him. We went to different schools, but we were both involved in campus outreach. And so I started to hear about this Matty B, and he had a good reputation, and he loved God, and God was using him on the campus. And um, so I started hearing about that. And as for the email, I did get the email, but I know this might sound weird, but honestly, I didn't respond because he just, he didn't ask me to respond. So I just didn't. <laughs> There you go. Uh, <laughs> I was checking that thing. Refresh, refresh, refresh. Uh, uh, so a few weeks later, I was asked to come speak at, uh, at, at one of the campuses next to where she went to school. And afterwards, a bunch of people went out to uh, dinner, and I noticed a girl that was in Julia's Bible study on her campus. And so I went up to LaToya, and I was like, LaToya, uh, you're in Julia Felico's Bible study, right? She was like, yes. And I said, could I get her email? She said, why? <laughs> and, and, and literally, I had to give her like this defense of, of like why I wanted it. And y'all, that told me something. She's got girls in her life and they care about her. And they're not just giving her information. At the time, it'd be like digits, you know. Sorry, we weren't rocking the cell phone at the time. Uh, it would be, and, and that t told me something that was, uh, that was significant. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I was thankful for that. Okay, so... Maddie and I emailed a couple times, and I had known that he was getting ready to have his big surgery from a soccer injury. So I wanted to tell him that I was praying for him. I was so nervous. I was going to call him. Again, you know, when the cell phone time, so I was going to call him. So I was so nervous about it. I was, like, praying all about it, and I was, like, kind of uh, shaky over it. So silly, but I, I was really nervous. So I called him, and he wasn't there. So I left him this message with Paul Poteet. Uh, no, Poplin. Uh, Paul Poplin. Sorry, Paul, if you're here. Um, with Paul Poplin to tell Maddie B that I'd be praying for him for his surgery. Uh, funny thing about the message. I never got the message. My bonehead roommates didn't give it to me. Uh, no joke. <laughs> she had told me that later. I was like, yeah, they never told me. Um, uh, but the next time we saw each other was at our New Year's conference. And, uh, and y'all, uh, <laughs> this is so silly. My birthday is December 28th, and that year I had gotten this winter coat. And I'll just be honest, I thought I looked good in that coat. And, and I remember, I hadn't seen Julia since, since the first night, and, uh, and I remember wearing that coat in the registration lobby and sweating, but not going to take that coat off till Julia Felico sees me. No joke. This is real talk, y'all. So, so I was already just really like digging this girl. And I just remember like, dang, looking around like next bus coming in. Finally, I saw Julia. I was like, you know, expecting her to like fall out. You know, she says she don't even remember the jacket. Uh, but um, so at that conference, I, I loved the, one of my favorite books was The Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer. 
I love to give books uh, to people. So I decided I was going to give Julia this book. And so I wrote a note at the beginning of the book. And I didn't write the name of who I was giving it to. And I, and I let the dudes in my room with me read it. I said, y'all read this note. What y'all think about this note? They were like, sounds encouraging. I was like, good. Your boy's going to give it to a girl. And, uh, and, and why did I do that? Uh, I, I just wanted her to know that, that I was enjoying her friendship. And I was looking forward to getting to know her. Um, that's all I wanted to communicate. So I gave her the book. Got the book right when we were getting on the buses to leave. And uh, it's now one of my all-time favorites. I think everyone in here should read that book. No joke. A.W. Tozer, The Pursuit of God. Okay. Um, now, here's the deal. I had to discipline myself from taking Matt and I. We had some really great interactions at conference. We'd hang out. We'd talk about what we were um, pulling from the seminars and the talks and all that kind of stuff. So I had to discipline myself from taking our interactions from opening that book and taking his note and interpreting them in light of what I hoped that he meant by them, in light of what I wanted it to mean for me, for us, for the future. Um, Instead, interpret them in light of certainty. And so the next semester, Matt and a friend came and took me and my girl, one of my girlfriends on a date. And then at the end of the school year, we went on our first one-on-one date to the zoo. And uh, do you, do you, so oh, no. uh, we said we were going to meet at a Cracker Barrel. And oh. uh, do you remember this? And we got, it was like, get there at like one o'clock. This is not and, in our notes. And I got there at one o'clock <laughs> and, and I was just like chilling, rocking on the chairs. And at one thirty, I was sitting with an old man playing checkers at two o'clock. I was sipping on a Coke three. Literally, I was like, oh, my gosh, I got stood up like welcome. You know, it, three o'clock. I literally was like, where is Julia? And about three o'clock, she shows up. You, you were running late with a class or something. And I literally in those hours I had, had to wrestle. Damn. I had an exam. exam. But yeah, anyways, okay, okay. Uh, again, it's not our notes, but I just remember wrestling like, okay, Lord, <laughs> dang, I thought we had a good start. Uh, <laughs> I guess it was a, a short story. Um, and, uh, and so, so, so uh, I was going away to raise support to go on staff with Campus Outreach that, that summer, and uh, Julia was going on a summer project, and I knew that a handful of guys I led in a Bible study on my campus were going to be on project. So I huddled the guys up. I said, fellas. I said, here's what I want you to do. I said, I want you all to get to know as many Christian women on this project as you can. I want you to get to know them, talk to them, build relationships. And I want each of you to come back at the end of the summer and tell me who you think the sharpest girl on that project is. So I had a little, 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 uh, little hidden agenda. They had no, no clue about Julia. Uh, they didn't know that we had a friendship or anything. And at the end of the summer, it's a true story, we sat down at a picnic table at the Landlubber Lodge. And, uh, and they said, uh, Maddie B., this project's full of amazing women. And we got to know them all. They said, but we've all talked and we think there is one girl that you need to go after. And my heart was pounding, boy. And they said, her name is the dude BJ. He said, her name is Julia Felico. <laughs> and I, I just remember, uh, I, I remember being so just, uh, just, just excited and thankful. And, and, uh, and he, I will note this, Julia wasn't a team leader on the project. She wasn't a room leader on the project. She was on the servant team. It was her service of the Lord, her love for him, and her just fun with people that made them say, of all people, Maddie B needs to go after this girl. So, so I'm going to pause our story. I just want you to, I wonder what you're thinking right now on that story right there. I wonder what you're thinking. So anytime we speak to a group of college students, we assume that many of you hear the story like that and we think, well, that's not going to be me. 
That can never be me. They must not know who they're talking to. And some other objection like that. And so maybe you don't relate to our story. So we're going to give you another story of a guy and a girl to let you know we understand who we're talking to in the room. That story might feel foreign to you, but maybe you can relate to parts of this story. So we'll put it up. Imagine that we've got a guy um, on the left. And uh, here's, this might be representative in the room. Comes from a cultural Christian home. This guy has a divorced home raised by a single parent. His early years, let's say that this guy was shy towards girls. High school, experienced the first kiss, many marriages. Uh, y'all know the term mini marriages. It's just a uh, boyfriend, girlfriend, like you're going to be together forever, and then it breaks up. Uh, mini marriages, emotional attachment, sexual activity, including intercourse, marriage talk with multiple girls, including the sexual activity, cheating, entering college. This guy's a non-Christian. Uh, let's go with our girl. Okay, so here we have our girl who comes from a non-Christian home. Her home's dysfunctional, alcoholic home. In her early years up through middle school, part of her story is um, sexual abuse. She had a first kiss, became sexually active then in high school, became a Christian, but was involved in many marriages where there was emotional attachment, physical attachment, um, and there was lots of marriage talk. Entering college, enters college on the heels of her latest kind of mini divorce. Okay, so... Maybe now y'all like, you know, Maddie B. Jules, I don't connect with your story, but I kind of feel at home there. Um, what would I say to this guy? What would I say to you? I would say 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, all the promises of God are yes in Christ. And this is true for all who trust in him, even you, young man, if you would say yes to him. And to this girl, to this girl, I would say 2 Corinthians 1.20 all the promises of God are yes in Christ for you if you would trust in him, even you, and you would say yes to him. And maybe this guy would look at me and say, that's easy for you to say, Maddie B., you're not me. And maybe this girl would look to me and say, that's easy for you to say because you're not me. And I would look to him and I would say, I am you, buddy. I am you. And I would look to her and I would say, actually, I am you. I don't know if you get it, but the first story you heard was Julie and I, and this is Julie and I. And so don't for a second, don't for a second think that whatever your past is, that it excludes you from the promises of God. We want you to hear, we want you to hear this. You're not disqualified, okay? You remember when Maddie was talking last night about um, giving authority to God about your past? Have you done that? Have you given God the authority to free you from your past? Or are you still holding on to that and it's preventing you from believing in the promises of God for your future? We want you to hear that a background like ours doesn't prevent you from having a relationship with God and with another person that's really what you long for, what you hope for, what's more than you can imagine. And this brings to the surface some questions we want you to consider. Do you believe in the promises of God for you? Is your identity bound to your past? And are you settling today for less? 
So here's what we want to do. The rest of our time, uh, we just want to be helpful. So we're going to just address a handful. I think we're only going to get to four, um, but, but we've slipped in a lot of questions within the questions. Uh, we're going to address a handful of the most commonly asked questions about Christian, Christian relationships. And uh, this is considered an FAQ section. So here we go. Question number one. How can I prepare for a healthy and lasting marriage? Uh, while we know we asked the question, um, we would really say that's a great question, but it really should be how should I prepare for a potential healthy and lasting marriage because none of us know exactly what the future holds. And it's different. Um, yeah, what Maddie was saying, we really want to try and find the right one and prepare to have a marriage that is God-honoring, kingdom-impacting, healthy, and that can last. So our answer is to live in light of certainty and the primary thing that you can do today is to go deep. And deep is an acronym we're going to double click on and tell you what we mean by that. And not only do we want to challenge you to commit to going deep, we would really encourage you to note the men and women around you that are also going deep. Yeah, and, and if you say, how do you get from uh, that guy and girl and, and everything that we showed to the testimony we shared at the beginning, it's because we committed to going deep. Um, that's what it is. All right, here we go. Um, number one is uh, D, develop your relationship with God. The certainty is that God has promised you himself. That's certain. Uh, not only has promised you himself, he, he promises great things when you seek him first. So Matthew six thirty three. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all things shall be added. The idea is that you cannot miss anything that God has for you if you seek him first. Uh, I once saw this grid that was kind of like me and God, and every time I go and I seek something else and I come back to God, there's a chance I miss what he has for me. Uh, we could talk and debate that biblically, but I think the point is seek him, you won't miss anything. And the principle is first be the kind of person you want in a future spouse. And um, at the heart of this, y'all, is a correct understanding of what is God's will. Because most of us, when we talk about God's will, we're thinking about where he wants me, when he wants me, and what he wants me to do, and who he wants me to be with, right? But if you actually study God's will, do you know what you see? You see that God's clear and explicit will is who you are to be wherever, whenever, and whatever he calls you to. So the scriptures that talk about God, we spend our time wrestling over, is it God's will if I should start dating? Is it God's will if I should kiss her? Is it God's will if we should get engaged? And here's the thing, God has never in his word explicitly promised you that he would ever reveal that to you ahead of time. But he has clearly and explicitly revealed his will in many other things that we don't ever think about. Be thankful in all circumstances. This is the will of God. Avoid sexual immorality. This is the will of God. Make the best use of your time. This is the will of God. So we're here wrestling over the will of God and things he's never promised to reveal while we neglect the will of God and things he's clearly revealed. That's why we say, Develop your relationship with God. God has promised you himself. So that's number one. And I would, I'm sorry, I'm going to add to that. Jump in. Okay, so. Do your thing, girl. When, when we were <laughs> developing your relationship with God, I think maybe some of y'all might be sitting here like, seriously, we're in a relationship seminar, and they're going to say, study God's word, learn how to pray. But honestly, a lot of times I would have an interaction with him, and I would go in my dorm room, and I would get on my knees. I'm not joking. And I would say, God. 
I want to love you more than anything else. I really do. I promise you, I really do. Would you help me know you and seek you? I give this to you, Lord. If this, if Matt, would you protect Matt? Would you help him learn how to share his faith? Will you help him walk with God? Would you lead and guide him for your name's sake? Would you do that for me? I was on my knees multiple times. God, protect me. I had been in a relationship that was a Christian relationship. It was not God-honoring. It wasn't. And I was very aware that I am steps away from following my own desires if I do not lay my life down before the Lord continually, seek his word, pray, get involved in other relationships that lead me to God. So developing your walk with God is such a safeguard. I promise you that is nothing cheesy. That is real, real, real. So sorry about that. Amen. Okay. So E, the D-E, we're on E, embrace singleness. The certainty that is here is God has promised you a period of singleness, okay? Now, for many, singleness feels like a great trial, okay, and a season of rejection and discouragement. And we encourage you to take James, two, James 1, 2 in view of singleness. Count it all joy when you fall into trials of many kinds, for you know that it is producing something in you that without it, you're going to be lacking, Okay? So instead of get out of singleness as fast as I can. Which is most of our goals. How about get out of singleness as much as I can? Okay, instead of getting out of singleness as fast as I can, getting out of singleness as much as I can. So there's two main areas. Uh, I remember remember speaking at a Furman uh, retreat. And uh, as a single man, it was a month before I was going to get married, and I was so ready to get married. But I remember staying up till 2 in the morning with the dudes. We went to Waffle House. We were just chowling. We were living it up. And I just remember crying on the ride uh, home uh, because uh, from now on it would be different. Lord, I've made the most of this. I've made the most of this as a single man. Thank you for that period. I'm so excited, but it's going to be different. Uh, seek to get out of it as much as you can. And I will add to that. The night before we got married, okay, I remember this. I remember going to bed, and I was praying before the Lord, and I remember saying, God, I'm so ready, so right. This is right. We're going to be unified into one. But you have been so sufficient for me in singleness. And tomorrow, I'm going to be united with a man who you're going to teach me and lead me through. And we're going to have an amazing marriage. But this is going to end in that way a little bit. And I've made, you've helped me make the most of singleness. My, my um, intimacy with the Lord was so rich and full. Maximize your period of singleness. So, where am I at? Contentment. Okay, second area. First area. Oh, sorry. We're going to maximize. You can maximize singleness in two main areas. The first is your contentment. Be content where God has you. And, and, and be content not where you are. Be content where God has you. Mm-hmm. It's totally different. So mm-hmm. when we say embrace singleness, we don't mean that your goal is to just fall in love with singleness. I just love being single. Bachelor you know? to the rapture. That's you right. know, it, it, nah, <laughs> you know, you're not, uh, you missed it. It's, right. it's not about the period. What's mm-hmm. it about? So we tend to get stuck on where we are, what, where we are in this season when contentment is about who has us where we are. Who has you here? Who's responsible for your season of life, okay? During this season, your goal can be to fall in love with God and to grow 
in your trust that he is the one that authors your days. If he saw it any better, if there was a better season for you to be in. And that's hard, y'all, because there's many days of tears and seasons that we're in. But we can trust that the good author of God is in that and he is responsible. Then, eventually, you can find yourself at Psalm 16. When you can say, the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Proverbs 31 woman says that she smiles at the future. Now she doesn't, she's not like at like an eight ball. She can't see crystal ball. She doesn't know what the future holds, but she does know who holds the future. And that's why she can smile in contentment and rest. And Paul tells us in Philippians 4 that he's learned to be content in all things. Singleness is the number one learning ground for you. And how is it preparation for marriage? Well, if you aren't able to embrace the seasons you're in now, the question is, why do you think you're going to be able to embrace the next season that you're in, okay? You're going to end up being in marriage and be discontent, okay? Contentment, God can teach you now a healthy habit to fully receive his season so that you can enjoy every season to the full when you're in it. So maximizing this with contentment and then commitment. And, we, and what we would say about that is we really believe that someone's commitment to God is an indication into their commitment in marriage. Uh, so, you know, that might sound a little harsh. I just think from my experience that whenever you see people who are fully committed to the Lord, then that becomes a training ground that they can exp- extend that full commitment to a spouse. Whenever I was dating Julia, I knew she liked Maddie B and she loved the Lord. And I saw her guard against anything that might come in in between her relationship with God. And, uh, and so Song of Solomon 2.15 says, catch the foxes, the little foxes that ruined the vineyard. I saw her do that in a relationship with God. And guess what? That's what she's done for 17 years in our marriage. I know that if there's anything that could come in and, 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 and take away from our love, my, my wife guards it. And, and she did it with her Lord, and I knew she would do it to me. So contentment and commitment. All right, number three. Okay, so we have, we're on the second. We're on second E. All right, embrace friendships. And they had a seminar on this. Uh, so... If you didn't go you to, to it, listen to it afterwards. Okay, embrace friendships. The certainty here is God has promised you friendships, but he has not promised you marriage. Okay? We encourage you to stop viewing the opposite sex as a potential mate and see them as a present brother or sister. Most of us need rewiring here. Okay, We need our brain to be rewired here. We usually will pursue getting to know someone based on whether or not there's a romantic interest there, an attraction of some kind. And as Christians, we are now told that we're brothers and sisters in Christ. So the principle is this. Our relationships used to be guided by potential for romance. Now they're guided by the potential for encouragement. That's huge. Uh, when, when, when that clicked, when the guy who was leading me and some other guys challenged us to view women as the potential for encouragement, uh, that's, that's what started the, I want to get to know the Christian girls in our ministry, and I want to encourage them, because if a Christian man isn't encouraging them, they're going to go find it somewhere else. And so we, we fought to stop viewing girls in light of the potential for romance, but encouragement. Final area, pour out your life. That's the P. Um, God has promised you the great commandment and the great commission, 
We're going to talk about both of these in detail tonight with a great commission. But, but here's what I would say. It is just a sad sight to see a boy or a man and a woman get in a relationship on a campus, and then they're both pretty much checked out from that point forward. He only comes to what she comes to, what both of them can't come to, neither of them come. I, I mean, they, they pretty much have uh, said, we are going to commit to what is uncertain, this relationship, and neglect during our college years what is certain, being a, having an impact on the campus. And I just wonder how many of us would stand before the Lord and say, well, what happened in your college years? And say, well, I was preparing for my marriage. And the Lord said, I know, but, but she wasn't there. I didn't have that for you. Uh, we really would press you to pour out your life. So um, develop your relationship with God, embrace singleness, embrace friendships, pour out your life. And let me say something about this, because you might be like, uh, you just wasted 15 minutes. Uh, the question wasn't, how can I get married? Uh, you can go and get married. Everybody, I mean, we could, we could patch you up and get you a spouse. I mean, uh, the question is, how can I prepare for a healthy and lasting marriage? And, and that's the answer to it. So, uh, all right, question number right. two. Question We're about to turn two. up the heat in here, JV. That's right. <laughs> okay, what does the Bible say about dating? Question number two, frequently asked question. What does the Bible say about dating? Well, dating is cultural, not biblical. But hold up, that's not to say that dating is unbiblical. It's just to say it's not a biblical term. It's just not a biblical term. While dating is our cultural norm, there's lots of areas in our world that that's not how they do things. So the question for us is what is the biblical response to this cultural norm? And there's lots of areas in our lives that we should ask this question, right? So what is our culture's dating process? So generally speaking, it goes something like this. You're friends, you move into dating, you become exclusive, you get engaged, and then you get married, just generally speaking. So what about the Bible? All right. Well, it does clearly identify some categories, two main categories, a brother and sister relationship and a husband-wife relationship. Okay. At first glance, the Bible does not seem to give us much instruction on how to go from friend to married, right? Now, we will go ahead and gladly admit, go ahead and put up the next slide, please, that there clearly is a third category between brother-sister and husband and wife, uh, I'm going to call it exclusive relationship. So there clearly is that category. And here's what we want to do. Uh, and and this, this isn't Bible. This is wisdom of 20 years working with college students. And, and we want to offer you to consider something. We want to press in on the way you think about how quickly you need to get into an exclusive relationship and how long you think you need to be there in order to learn if this person is a match for you. So that's what we want to press in. So uh, how quickly, see in our culture, any guy or girl that you really like is someone that you quickly get into an exclusive relationship with in order to see if you're a match. Is that fair? So if, if you like somebody and they like you, then eventually it's going to be, okay, let's get exclusive to see if we're a match. And, and here's what we were going to suggest. If you are going deep, if you're living in a Christian community with other men and women, we would just suggest that most of what you're trying to discover in an exclusive relationship, you can discover 
in a brother-sister relationship, if you're actually engaging and, and you're actually connecting with each other, and when you do that, then what happens is you protect one another, you protect the community around you in ways that is God-honoring. So, so what we're trying to do is we just want to press in and we want to highlight brother-sister relationships. It's almost like people are in, in a street language. Y'all sleeping on them. You're sleeping on brother-sister relationships. And I'll just go ahead and tell you. Let me jump. Let me add things to my notes. If we were to go on your campus ministry and do an assessment of the community, I think we would conclude on most campus ministries is that you are seeking to have a Christian community with a worldly view of relationships. And what I mean is that you have the guys that hang out together, you have the girls that hang out together, and then you have the few people that are in exclusive relationships that are trying to figure out if they're right for each other. Let's say that's not biblical. You're meant to have a community where guys and girls are getting to know each other in healthy ways, and they're finding out almost everything they would find out in an exclusive relationship about each other with the exception of a few things, and we'll give them to you in a few minutes. Okay, off the soapbox. You know, so what what often comes with exclusivity really is expectation and obligation, okay? You just got to know that. A lot of times what comes with exclusivity in a relationship is expectation and obligation. And often we see people become exclusive because they want that guarantee of time and attention from the other person. And also they just want that physical intimacy that comes in usually in the realms of an exclusive relationship. And you also want the security that those two areas, time and attention and physical intimacy, isn't going outside of this right here. You want protection of that. You see that? We're going to be exclusive because I want the guarantee of your time and attention. Number two, I want privileges. Number three, I want to know that you're not going to give that time and attention or privileges to somebody else. Mm -hmm. We would just ask you to evaluate... um, whether you're getting into an exclusive relationship for the right reasons, just to consider it. Is committing your time and attention to a guy or a girl the most important thing for you at this stage of your life? Just, just Would you just consider that? Will it help you go deep? Uh, it could. It definitely could. Mm-hmm. Uh, is, is, is being in an exclusive relationship that all of a sudden makes this, this sexual tension live, is it really the best thing for you? Is, is it really? Um, maybe you're in a relationship and that's not, that's not there. Well, good for you. But, but for a lot of us, that's not the case. Um, if you're worried, if somebody, if you're not exclusive with them, that they're going to give all their time and attention and body to another person, is that really the type of person you want to be in an exclusive relationship with? Look, I just, we just want you to consider them with open-handed. And, and, and we'll go ahead and say, some exclusive relationships are amazing and they they are not demanding of all each other's time and tension they are not pulling them down into a road of of sexual contact and physical intimacy they're not controlling over their life but more of them than not are and 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 we'll go and say look we are not on record we are not against boyfriend girlfriend relationships we're not against it write that down yeah we're not against it we are for brother-sister relationships. We're not against this one. We're just saying that what everybody goes to this one to discover, we think you could probably discover here. And have less <clears throat> expectations and obligations that are tricky and complicated and get you webbed in. So, 
Um, uh, yeah, I think we're clear on that. Um, All right. Why don't you go here? Okay, so <laughs> maybe this sounds weird. It does sound weird. Okay. It does sound weird. That's all right. <laughs> it's about to get weirder, okay? So about to get weirder. How would we define a date, okay? How would we define a date? Now, this is us speaking. This is not the Bible's definition of a date, okay? Because dating isn't biblical. It's not to say dating's unbiblical. It's just not a biblical term, okay? So you get it? So we just have to take wisdom. What does the Bible teach us, and how do we apply it to this? You know, what is about how much should I text today? Well, texting is not biblical. It, texting isn't unbiblical. It's not a biblical term. You take biblical knowledge, and you apply to it. So right. what is a date? Okay, so... A date does not have to be a response to a romantic interest, but rather it can be a scheduled time with someone of the opposite sex with the purpose to encourage and enjoy and get to know them. I went on dates with lots of guys. Well, I wouldn't say like lots of guys. I mean, I, was, I went on dates with all I mean, kinds of I mean, boys. y'all, I, mean, I just like, didn't have time. I, mean, I, I had to just nothing prioritize. Going out on dates. Like, no. <laughs> Folks, That's still another. be waiting for dates. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> There were several guys that I went out on dates with while Maddie and I were getting to know each other, okay? And while we were dating. Yeah, we were dating. And the purpose of those were because I was it was so encouraging. We would spend time together. It was fun. It wasn't just a romantic um, interest. And Matt went on dates with multiple people during those years. And honestly, I wasn't wondering, oh, man, how's Maddie relating to those girls? Like, that makes me nervous because is he being inappropriate with them? And then he's going to come back and want to take me out on a date. That's all rowdy, right? <laughs> but I wasn't like that because, number one, Matt didn't relate to me like that. He wasn't inappropriate with me like that. And I knew his character, and I knew I had been learning about him. I had spent time with him and other um, in groups, and I was learning from other people around, who is this person, Matty B? And I knew that I could trust his character, and that I learned a lot about him because he was going out on dates with other people and how he was handling that, too. So, And, and it also told her that, that I hadn't locked in. It wasn't, I, I wasn't hers and she wasn't mine. And, and yeah, we had a preference for each other. Mm -hmm. And, and, and I would, I would tell my man, Joe in confidence, I'm like, dog, there ain't nobody like Julia Felico. He's like, well, take out Tracy. Oh, that's fine. That's fine. You know, ain't nobody like Julia Felico, you know, and, and, but, I, but I would come back encouraged and challenged. And, and I began to see honestly areas that Julia needed to grow in. And as she would hang out with people, areas that I needed to grow in. And, uh, and it was just healthy for our heart. And there came a point where I went to Julia and I said, all right, Julia, we, we've known each other for two and a half years. Uh, we, we clearly have a thing, you know, like uh, um, you need to shut her down with the other fellas. Like uh, <laughs> if, if so-and-so, one of my good buddies, he would ask her out. I'd be like, come on, man. Like, you know what I'm saying? He's like, Julie, he'd come back and be like, this is the most encouraging girl I've ever spent time in my life. I'm like, shut up, you know? <laughs> no, nah, but that's my heart. But I was like, I was like, that's right. She should be. She should be. And I said, it's time to shut her down. Uh, I, I would like to pursue well, you. Asked you. Me. I said, yeah, are you at a point? I said, I was, I'm at a point where. You won't where, tell it me. <laughs> no, I think, I think this thing's, this thing's going there. I'm asking you to, um, to, if anybody else asks you on a date, say no. Actually, call them up. Tell them no. Tell them you with me. Um, there was a time for that, and, and then, yep. then we were there. But the point is, we had already discovered 
almost everything we needed to know about each other in the context of a brother-sister relationship. Right. Um, oh, yeah, why would I date somebody? That, yeah. Okay, so maybe say, why in the world would I date someone I'm not, like, romantically interested in? Because remember the uh, definition that we're kind of presenting before you. Dating's not only about romantic potential. It's about encouragement, potential for encouragement. Now, to clarify, we're not advocating that you take one person out like 10, 15 times just to encourage them and lead them on into thinking. And have no interest. You know, and have no no interest. We're not, y'all listen, hear what we're saying, our principles. We're um, saying altering your view of what dating means. Honestly, I'm telling you, would open up so many doors for encouragement. We miss out on our brothers and our sisters because we don't take initiative towards doing what the Bible tells us to do. Encourage one another daily as long as it's called today. And so this is the point where I need to say, if you are in an exclusive relationship, do not text them. Hit the road, Jack. (laughs) No, not at all. Uh, You can do this thing right. You just need to be honest, and you need to bring in a mentor, a pastor, a friend. And if if you just jumped past no brother, sister, just exclusive to see if this person's a match, then I would say you probably could have figured out a lot of that in the brother, sister. But it's not, you can have a great exclusive relationship. You just need to be honest about what it's doing. So, um, all right, we got to, uh, got to pick up our speed. We only have 10 minutes. Um, number three, what are some pathways to intimacy that we should be aware of? Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart. From it flow the wellspring of life. Guarding your heart is not protecting your heart. You're going to get hurt. It's not preventing anyone from your heart. Guarding your heart is this idea of keeping it Godward. So how do you do that? There's three areas we would suggest. The first one's obvious. The second two are very important. Um, So the first one is physical intimacy. Physical intimacy. So um, how far is too far? Uh, How far is too far? So... um, Imagine if uh, I went up to you and I said, uh, how far should I run? You would be like, uh, have you ever ran? Uh, you got asthma? You know, you, uh, you got any shorts? Like, like you know what I'm saying? You, you would need some more information. I don't know. I was trying to be a bit of, yeah, you got any shorts? Uh, awkward. Uh, I'm married. Why'd you ask me that? I'm just playing. Um, uh, <laughs> I'm joking. I'm sorry. All right, get back to the notes, Okay. <laughs> The point is that, that you need some more information, right? Well, how far is too far? Um, I'm glad you're asking, and I'm glad you have a concept of far. A lot of people don't. <clears throat> Secondly, um, we don't know you. Honestly, maybe holding hands is too far. Uh, maybe maybe uh, caressing is too far. Maybe hugging, kissing. I don't know. Uh, you know, um, but I don't love the, the, the direction of the question. The, the direction is how close to the line of sin can we get? And we are yes people. And Paul said, uh, all things are lawful, but not all things are beneficial. I will not be mastered by anything. So, so we want to just you know, run after the Lord. But what does the Bible say about purity? The Bible's really clear. Here's what the scripture says. For this is the will of God. So you're wrestling with what's God's will regarding me and her. Well, good. I'm glad you're wrestling with that because we know one thing. Your sanctification that you abstain from sexual immorality that each of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like those who do not know God. First Timothy, treat older women as mothers and younger women as sisters in all purity. First Corinthians six eighteen through 19, flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexual immoral person sins against his own body. 
Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You're not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God with your body. So here's an application. This is not an official stance of campus outreach. We just think that this helped us. Um, the application is this. Uh, would you consider, uh, it, when, you, when you're in dating, would you relate to another person as though they could be your best friend's future spouse? <clears throat> Where we go out on a date, and, and I want to treat you in such a way that five years from now, if my best man married you, I could still invite y'all over for games without feeling awkward, Right? Uh, I'm not going to relate to you in such a way that, that uh, my best friend one day would look at me and be like, come on, man, uh, Maddie B., why? Um, she wasn't yours. Um, mm-hmm. Y'all, we, we actually, we, we took to heart these principles. Mm-hmm. And the, the guy that dated her the most when we dated, um, he was in my, he was a groomsman for me. And I went up to him and I said, hey, man, I want to thank you for the way that you dated my wife. I want to thank you. I think she's a better woman because of her time spent with you. And the guys at her campus that she spent the most time with, Matt and Marco, I went to them and I said, I said, dudes, dap it up. I want to thank you. Give me that dap. Yeah. Uh, I want to thank you. Or uh, JB, we need to teach y'all that handshake. Uh, I want to thank y'all. Thank you for the way you cared for her. It it was a sweet thing. It, It was a sweet thing. So there are three common objections and responses to this call of purity, this pursuit that we're calling you to. The first one is, can't do it. I just, I can't do it. Many of you immediately throw in the towel and say, it's just, it's impossible. And yes, we hear you. It is hard. And it does require a God-centered perspective, plan, and preparation. But it's not impossible. It's not impossible. Um, Especially if you have a crew around you of brothers or sisters in Christ that are holding you accountable. So, so get this. We, we were, if, if, if sexual past is zero to ten, zero, I mean, ain't even, you know, looked at a girl wrongly, um, no, I ain't touched a girl, okay? Ten is sexual intercourse. We were both tens. Um, and the first time we ever held hands was on a date where I told Julia that I was pretty certain that God was calling us to be married and that I wanted to take the next few months and allow him to confirm that. Think about that. And, and it's not that I didn't want to. It's just that God could do it. And don't get, don't get the wrong idea that, wait, wait, are they saying that it's not right to hold hands? No, that's not the point. The point is, for me, I, when I touched the hand, I didn't want to just touch the hand. You know, like, that's just my past. I mean, it was like my boy looked at me, Joe, and he was like, Matty B, you were not made to hit singles. You're trying to hit home runs, brother. And he's like, you know, seriously, he's like, you just need, <laughs> you got it? <laughs> and I was like, sorry, I was, I'm missing the notes again. I was giving the notes. Okay. Oh, all right. I already went there. Let me just keep no, going. No, yes, no. yes. Oh my gosh! Seriously. I said. I said. No, I, oh my. <laughs> uh, I said. What if? <laughs> seriously. Hey. Oh, oh, get real. Get real. <laughs> I was like. I was like. All right, Joe. I was like. What if? What if? What if it? What if it don't work? He's like. That dog will hunt. And no, this is really a conversation. Oh my gosh. <laughs> 
I said one more, one more. This is, hey, he was from Georgia. Woo! And then I was like, I said, man, what if it's awkward? He was like, tell her you need more practice. And literally, I was like, okay, yeah, Woo! all right, let's in. But, but seriously, the point is you can do it. All right, I'm sorry. Um, you can do it. What do you mean you can do it? <laughs> you can be pure. Okay, you thank can be you. Pure. Thank you, I know, right? Let's reel that thing back in. Come oh. on, let's reel that uh. thing back in. Okay. What are we talking about now? Oh, I, I won't know. This. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, the first objection is... Will was in the back. Just come rescue us whenever. Okay. Oh, we we got to finish this up. Okay. I can't do it. I can't have that purity. The second one is, I won't know them if I don't, if I'm not physically intimate with them. So, there is this thought that that is a way to get to know them and, and see if you have that chemistry. There's a time and a place where physical intimacy is right and it's a delight when you um, enter it into a relationship. But we would suggest that physical intimacy before marriage can really hinder that, honestly. It can be hindering and not helpful because it clouds your judgment. It prevents you from assessing who that individual really is aside from the intimate, physical intimacy. We see a lot of guys um, and girls, just both vice versa, but a lot of guys who are with girls, they honestly shouldn't be with, and they know that, but they feel obligated because they've been with them to a place physically and intimately that was so significant that they feel like they can't leave, okay? And girls, vice versa, where you've been with them intimately and you feel stuck. So when two people should be learning interests and dreams and passions, instead they're hooking up, right? When people should be learning to confess wrongs, ask for forgiveness, reconcile, instead they're hooking up. So honestly, newsflash, when you get married, it doesn't work like that. Yeah, it's not like we in a fight and I'll be like, hold on a second, let me go put on them boxers. <laughs> She'll be like, nah, you come back in here, I'm going to throw something at you, man. Nah, you know, it's like, we got to talk it out. We, we, you know, and, and you could learn to do that, but, but people short circuit it, right? That's right. Uh, so so let, let me say this, uh, uh, first time we held hands, right, was, was on that date on the mountain that we got lost. Um, you remember that? Oh, we. We, were, uh, we got lost, y'all, on the mountains, and it got really dark. And, uh, and I was like, uh, this is how I got the hand. I was like, girl, you're probably not going to make it climbing down this mountain unless you go ahead and grab this hand right here. And, <laughs> and she was like, all right, Maddie B. And so literally, it was like, oh, wow. And so we got in the clear. We got in the clear, y'all. And, and she was like, she, she put her hand like that. And I go, nah. <laughs> nah. And she's like, you can let go now. I'm like, nope. No. <laughs> and, then, and then at the end of that night, we had our first real embrace. And y'all, I'm just going to go and tell you, it opened the flood of desire. And the next six months, we battled and battled with our physical purity. We had our first kiss. We had our first makeout and second. And, and, I, and I'm honest to tell the story because I don't want you to get the wrong impression. I remember being so thankful to God that for two and a half years, we didn't let any of that into our relationship. It was so clear. It was so pure. And then all of a sudden, we would get together with guilt and remorse and sorrow and fight. And I'm just telling y'all, like, like, you just don't need it. You don't need it. It just adds a layer on end of complexity. So um, the third is you'll miss out. We, uh, we, we got to finish. Uh, we 
actually need two it parts. It was all that sex talk you <laughs> We did. need two parts. And that's why we went oh. long. Let's we'll say this. Oh, two other patterns of, of intimacy. Number one, number two is communication. We just, this, the scripture says, whoever gives an honest answer kisses the lips. So there's power in communication. And we would say the principle is speak what's true and will always be true. So you don't need, fellas, you don't need to be saying, um, you're the most beautiful girl that I've ever seen in my life. And I, I never would ever have fun, as, as much fun as with somebody with you. Uh, you don't know that's always going to be true. You could just say, you look pretty tonight, and I had a great time. And what it does, though, is it ties your hearts together. It's intimate, okay? You see, God's word says that type of communication is just like if you were to kiss each other on the lips, okay? Yeah. It's another pathway that ties you together. So you want to be mindful. And then lastly, there is an uh, aspect of spiritual intimacy that you don't want to use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. So Julia and I, we weren't physically intimate. I was watching the things I was committing to her. But uh, the guy discipling me and the guys in my Bible study were like, Maddie B., you guys are have – you have a, a role in each other's life spiritually that nobody else does. Uh, you're encouraging her like nobody else. She's encouraging you. They said, so on your next date, don't take your Bible and tell her she can't take her Bible. I was like, I got him stored up here, fellas. And they were like, they're like, Maddie, Maddie, don't talk about God. Just talk about like life and fun and just have a blast. And, 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 and what they were doing was they said, we believe that you are connecting her to you in, in a, in a way, intimate way that if you guys were to break up, if stop dating one another, then, uh, then there would be some, some uh, unnecessary pain. So, all right. Um, uh, I don't, I mean, we, uh, uh, we got to do it. We'll just end with this. <laughs> Go, uh, Skip up for it. Go to a go to a grid. How do I know if he or she is the one? Uh, we, we, let's end with um, frequently what? asked questions. Oh, that. Four. There we go. Yes. All right. So, um, how do I know if he or she is the one? We would say you you look. Are they loving God and loving others? The great command. Are they pouring out their life? The great commission. Uh, are you outwardly attracted to them? Their appearance, personality, and gifts. That's important. Um, are you inwardly connected to them? Is there some chemistry? Is there a unity and in, in interest in dreams? Uh, and, and then uh, over all of that is timing. Uh, if you're a freshman in college, I mean, let's be honest, you're probably not going to get married in the next four years. You probably don't need to discern if they're the right one. Uh, you can be in a relationship. You can get to know them. But timing does matter. Uh, counsel and community. Um, and let, let's end with that. Uh, we, we would say the strength of this right here is the wealth of people who walked with us mm-hmm. through our life and through our relationship. And, and, and y'all, when I would get together with my boys, we called it the last 10%. We said, what's the last 10% that you know, oh, hey, man, sorry, I got to run to class. I love, there's a couple more things I wanted to tell you. But sorry, we can't. You know what I'm saying? Like the last 10%. So we would start with, what's the last 10%? What's the thing you know you should tell me that you don't want to tell me? And, and you know what that did? That just created this real, this, this, this awesome community. Uh, but you need others. So God really promises some awesome things for those who live in a healthy community. And some really not awesome things for those who don't live in a community that's not healthy. It's not okay to just say, well, we have each other. That's community, right? 
or I have this one friend over here, we're talking about a healthy community that goes deep. Those things that we said in the beginning, are you surrounded with people, peers, and also do you have anybody speaking into your life and helping you discern these areas? We would really encourage you um, to, to find a healthy community. That is really essential. Yeah. So whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. Proverbs 18.1. I'll end with this. This is, uh, uh, Julie and I actually have the privilege of doing marriage seminars, and we challenge marriage couples, what, what I think we ought to challenge them, which is you find people, guys find some fellas and girls find some ladies who will celebrate with your victories and not judge you in your struggles. If you'll find that, if you'll find somebody who you, you got a good relationship that they're not like, well, I, I don't know why I don't have one of those. But they celebrate your victories, and then they don't judge you, but they'll enter into your struggles. Um, those are the people you need in your relationship. All right, thank y'all. Y'all been good. Um, and uh, let me pray, and then we're done. Why don't you pray? Why don't you pray? Awesome. Yeah. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you that you have called all of us to be here in this moment, Father. Thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit who works in us and connects us with you. Father, thank you for these students. I pray in Jesus' name, would you cover them with your word? Would you lead and guide them, Father, in a way that um, helps them connect deeply to you and deeply to others in a way that's honoring and freeing and pure? We thank you for their hearts and we trust in you and we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Campus Outreach. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without written permission from Campus Outreach.